Hi there, and welcome to another episode of the STEM Everyday Podcast. Welcome to the STEM Everyday Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Chris Woods. Putting STEM into every classroom every day. Yes, well, and that's, that was one of the things I loved about your podcast, was that I was able to get these totally different views from people who are academics or teachers mm-hmm. or engineers yeah. um, or educators in some specialty of their field and then they've been able to, you know, just, just share that knowledge. And that's, I think, what is the beautiful thing about teaching because I've only been teaching for this will be my, what, 11th year. Wow. So yep. I haven't been teaching that long. I'm 53. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so I've sort of done different careers and different jobs. I started off in different primary settings and then with special ed. But it's a really fascinating field that I think teachers yeah. sometimes work in isolation too much. Yeah, I think so. You so. know, we're stuck in our wonderful little classrooms, but sometimes that's our world instead of being a part of a greater, greater community. Yeah. Well, that's a great place to start the show. Welcome to today's STEM Everyday Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Chris Woods. And today I get to chat with Chris Perkins, who is joining us from Adelaide, South Australia. Welcome to the show, Chris. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. It's it's an absolute pleasure to be talking with you, man. Chris is a STEM education teacher from foundation to year seven in a primary school. So if you're listening in the United States or somewhere else, it calls it something different than that. That's kind of like elementary, kind of all those early grades. Yes. But you didn't start out teaching STEM. You at one point really realized everybody's talking about STEM and we're not. So tell us about that journey. Uh, sure, Chris. Well, what happened was that uh, I been, began teaching about 11 years ago. About three years ago now, the principal at uh, the school I was at, which is Keithcott Farm at Windvale here in South Australia, put out that the department's looking to get STEM education in every school and wanted to run STEM education as a non-instructional time or NIT, as we call it, gotcha. uh, teacher. And that's when uh, classroom teachers get to go off and do some preparation for their classes. I'm assuming you do things like that. Yep, yep. Over there. And basically, I put my hand up for it, and then I won the job. <laughs> so that was really good. But to be honest, I've always done STEM education. Yeah. And so for me... Uh, even when I had a junior primary class, we would make balloon cars. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, or hovercrafts. And I you know, bought in electric motors and stuff like that. We started off with the old CD discs and the balloons as a hovercraft. Mm-hmm. And then we built up to electronics, put batteries on them. We adjusted the, you know, the blades for things. So that's just when I was a classroom teacher. Yeah. So from that point, STEM education was very natural to me. That's great. and uh, So that's why I put my hand up for it. I thought, this is great. This is sort of how I teach anyway. I uh-huh. love the diversity that STEM education lends itself. Mm-hmm. And I took on the whole school from basically four-and-a-half-year-olds, which is what we call our foundation, or we used to call them receptions. Yeah. So four-and-a-half-year-olds up to 13-year-olds because we still have year sevens in um, our primary school. Well, that's that's an awesome story, Chris. I, I love it how you saw something that your school was interested in and you just raised your hand and you said, this is something I'm willing to try. I'm willing to do that. And, and I think a lot of teachers are like that. And maybe sometimes that first step that I don't know maybe as much as I wished, but I like this. 
and you were willing to take a risk. So that's, that's great. And again, we're chatting with Chris Perkins and if you want to contact him or reach out to him, uh, we'll have some contact information in our show notes for you to do that. You didn't start out though, as a teacher, you, you spent some time in the real world, right? Yes. Actually, I was one of those students that didn't like school. Oh, the irony for you. Yeah. Oh, there's a lot of those. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's right. And so I, I went to trade school first and I became a welder mm-hmm. and I love the hands-on learning. And I think that's how I learned better myself, you know, actually mm-hmm. doing, get the idea of projects. So I became a welder. And then after that, I was a motorcycle courier. I worked in the uh, the quarrying uh, industry for a while, driving those big 50-ton uh, caterpillar trucks. Oh, yeah. Um, mooring ships. So all those, all those kind of things are great stories that you can bring into your classroom and, and talk to your kids about and say, I've seen all these STEM things. They're not just people who work as math teachers or, you know, scientists. They're everyday people using this thing that we call STEM. Well, yeah. In fact, last year we made a connection between the robotics we were doing and the mining industry using GPS and robotic trucks. Mm-hmm. and various robotic mechanisms within the uh, crushing and screening plants. And then I said, well, you know, I'm teaching you this little bit of robotics, but actually the worldwide application is, is very much out there and, uh, and I've been a part of that, which has been really lovely. You're yeah. right. Making that real-life connection for kids is, is a real strong point in STEM. Yeah. That's awesome. Now, kids really love it when we do bring up STEM, when we do add some of those STEM pieces into our classroom. What have, what have you seen with, with kids and why they just latch on to those things? I think because with STEM education, I sort of, I give the kids a brief, mm-hmm. I give them an open-ended uh, opportunity. So their solutions are not my solutions. Their mm-hmm. solutions are things that they can come up with as they go along the journey of learning within the classroom, like the yep. robotics, they could, you know, they just had to do certain manoeuvres within the robotics, but in actual fact, how they came to do that was up mm-hmm. to them. How they yeah. built the robot was up to them. They, they did their own thing in that way. And I think it's the open-endedness of it and allowing the kids to do their own problem solving. I think it's the hands-on aspect of STEM. Yeah, uh, is also really important because the te- you know the rest of the day tends to be more academic and book work and things like that. STEM mm-hmm. gives them a t- chance actually not to use any books or pencils at all. Really, they just yeah. go out and they do their their hands on activities. I also think STEM allows them to work in groups in in more organic ways because I tend yeah. to put kids in groups when we come to do our work, and then they actually really have to sit and problem solve because I don't jump in. Yeah. Set the brief, set the activity, then I just pull myself right out of it and then I observe. And, you know, if they need a hand, I'm there for them. They come and see me. If I see something's happening, I go over and, and have a chat with them and just sort of, you know, just yeah. sort of ask some of those questions to, you know, to see what's happening and exactly. elicit, sort of you know, what direction they might be going in. And that's a really important, you know, you hit on a couple of things there, Chris, that are super important for educators to remember. Kids are, are going to get stuck. And, and we have to resist that urge that, that we probably have because we know the answer. We know what we're expecting, but to resist that urge to dive in and, and, and help them more than we should, but be willing to, to give them that little push or ask some questions. And questions are a great way to help draw out what they already know. And sometimes that can re-get them on, on track as well. Yeah. And, and I found like, when we did the EV3 
and the NXT Mindstorm Robotics. Okay, like, yep. It's really interesting. Some of the kids just got caught up in the language of the Lego, mm-hmm. you know, like the different blocks called, the different programming within the sort of the bricks and things like that, that they just got caught up on that. So I was able to come in and just unstick them on that, on the language or the programming part, because we didn't use iPads. I actually made all the kids actually program on the bricks. Yep. Have you ever done that? Because it's uh, really quite hard. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a lot and different. That's almost going back to the old MS-DOS stuff. You know? <laughs> Chris, I want to ask you about what are some innovative, interesting things that you've been able to already do with your kids? I know you mentioned some things already that you've done, even before you were a quote-unquote STEM teacher. Yep. Look, some of the fun stuff was I got the kids to build a bridge. I gave them a brief that it had to span over certain, over 30 centimeters. Yep. It takes so much load. Um, I linked it with the um, the text, uh, The 21 Elephants, if you know that book. I haven't, but I don't teach okay. elementary, so I don't, I don't no, see a lot of elementary books. <laughs> but that makes, I can imagine, I can imagine 21 elephants would challenge a bridge. Well, that's right. And so what I did was I bought 21 toy elephants. And so before they put any weight on the bridge, they had to actually, the bridge had to support 21 elephants, like in the story that we read together first. That's great. Um, and 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 then we started adding the um, the sand the sandbags. And mm-hmm. uh, can I say that I had two girls who excelled, and they got one point seven five kilos of wow. on just a pop stick bridge that spanned thirty centimeters. It was just wow. fantastic. They loved it. They got right into it. Um, so that was that was sort of I guess my first project that I uh, I remember. Yeah. Um, also, the, obviously, the robotics has been really fantastic. And we're actually doing robotics again this year, but I'm changing it because last time we did the Riley robot on wheels mm-hmm. and using all the various sensors. Um, this year, they're, they're going to make a, a production line. Oh, okay. And they've got to pick up a particular object and they've got to accurately move it from point A to point B. Wow. And then I'm going to um, change the different size and texture of objects. So they have to then modify the claw. Okay. So using, using those wheels on that thing, not so much to motivate that robot around, but to mm-hmm. have it, have it move things like probably I'm, I'm guessing some conveyor belt ideas and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. So there'll be, um, there'll be the cogs, the gears. Um, I'm not sure about the police, Mm-hmm. Um, from from what I'm thinking of, but what the kids come up with, you know, could be totally different. <laughs> exactly. And that's, and that's to me, that's that's gold. You know, because yeah. I've got a preconception of what I think a robotic arm should look like. Yep. But the kids will come up with something just so so different. Yeah. yeah. So uh, that's just one of the other fun activities. Yeah. Think, something I've started up um, just recently, which is in fact come from Perth. Okay. There's been something called the Sub Club, and you can buy these little mini. ROV kits, and they actually come from Canada. Okay, yep. And so they're little mini submarines. They're actually designed for high school, um, but I'm running it as a sub-club. Mm-hmm, as an extra club that kids can do. That's right, during lunchtime, yeah. And I've got a small cohort of people that are about eight of them now, and they just love it. They just yeah. cannot get enough of it. But it comes <laughs> from Canada. The actual kit has to come all the way from Canada. So yep. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> So the subclub is something that's really good. Of course, we've got a defence industry um, here in South Australia. Yep. Uh, And so I managed to get a scientist from our defence department here in SA. Oh, really? And 
Yeah. And so she comes down and helps me with it. That's awesome. And that's, and that makes it another real world connection for those kids. It's not just something that I'm doing because I have to turn it in and get a grade. (laughs) That's, that's exactly right. Yeah. And so that's been really good. I'm only running as a club at the moment, but Mm -hmm. uh, in high school here, several high schools run the sub club as an actual curriculum STEM subject. That's good. Uh, And of course, then they just make bigger and bigger uh, submarines. And, and, that makes, and that's a great point there, Chris. Again, we're chatting with Chris Perkins uh, all the way from Adelaide, South Australia. And having things that you know that your, your high school or your upper level grades are doing and, and saying, how can I bring those in a little bit simplified version down to, to my primary, my elementary age kids, even if I run it as a club, even if I do it in an extra and try to, try to hook a few more of those kids. Those are, those are some great ideas, Chris. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And of yeah. course, everything works good, right? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> everything you've tried has been a complete success. I'm sure it has. Oh, look, look, I wish it had. However, the learning curve for me, as, as well as the students, has been quite wavy. Yep. Um, so, you know, things that, that haven't worked quite well are mostly IT factors, like different apps on iPads and things like that that just you can't open up for whatever reason or the Wi-Fi is down and you can't. Right. <laughs> I think we all have those problems in schools, especially public schools around the world. And because we, as, as a small small public school, we've only got like 450 kids in our school. Yeah. yeah. So we've only got an IT person a couple of days a week. Yeah. But you got to be so able to deal with that. You got to be able to handle that, you know. And, and, and again, you know. Right. You got to reach out to the teachers, maybe in the classroom next to you, that maybe have a little bit better knowledge or, or can yeah. troubleshoot yeah. something as well. I, I I reach out to any of the kids that have got those knowledges with technology that I, that fills my gap, and I go, guys, what's wrong with this? Why isn't this kicking in for me? I've got <laughs> like and then they come, yes. and they go, yeah, there you go, Mr. Ferguson's done. What? How'd you get that working? And so yes. it's very much a cooperative approach to learning. I'm learning as much as they're learning. And, and that's such, such an empowering, you know, prideful opportunity for those kids to feel like, like they know something that the teacher doesn't know. And that's, that's yeah, great I, for a kid. They, they, they love that. Yeah. <laughs> and, and quite often then the kids will say to me, you know, the following week, oh, Mr. Perkins, do you need any help with anything? And if it's just like <laughs> me, I just hand it over to them. I go, yeah, look, can you just make sure everything, all the apps are opening correctly today and there you go. just go off and do their thing. And, and that's, that's for me is, is a wonderful thing because really it's their learning journey. You know, yeah. As yep. a teacher, you know, we all want them to have their learning journey and be empowered as much as we, as they can be. Right. We call right. student voice over here. Did you do student voice over there? Oh yeah. Room? Yep. Voice and, and choice. Those, those are often two words ah, link, we linked together. Well, you're doing, you're doing that. You're giving kids some choices and things as well. So yeah. he's, and Chris is, I can tell Chris is writing that down right now. So um, I am, yeah, because we haven't got to the choice part yet. <laughs> well, that's that's not my original thought by by no means. So um, um, a couple other questions, especially right now, as we're just talking about uh, you empowering those kids and giving them some of those opportunities. What do you what do you view as as the future of STEM education, especially in terms of of your own uh, spot in the world in Australia? Um, look, as for the future. I'm just hoping that the kids that come out of our education system out here will be able to adapt a lot faster mm-hmm. to the new technologies, the new work 
workplace opportunities that, that are going to be there, but we don't know what they are. Right, exactly. It's because we don't know what industries are going to be about. We, we don't know what technology is going to be invented between now and, and the few years when the kids graduate from school. Yep. So it's those things that I was, to me, is going to be the future of STEM. You know, yeah. Have I done my job? I'll know in about five years' time when the kids graduate <laughs> and hit the workforce. Then I'll go, yeah, you know, that's that's fantastic. There you go. Um, that's that's awesome. I'm sh- and I'm sure you, I'm sure your kids will be ready, Chris, based on based on some of the things that you've said. So, well, I'm hoping so. That's all we can do as educators, isn't it? We just hope we do our best. We we have our passion for what we do. We try to impart that with the kids. We join them on a journey. I think yeah. that's very important. We join them and, and as equally as we possibly can, we, we join them. We walk side by side on the learning journey and then just let them go at the end mm-hmm. of our tenures and then go, yes, let's hope that's that's stuck and 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 they've learned something from me and or from all of us as educators. I think one of the other future parts of, of STEM mm-hmm. is, as I've said previously, where it, it's new over here for us. And so joining together as educators to, in fact, share our knowledge of our mm-hmm. experiences, both within the infancy that we've got here in South Australia, but also um, within the wider educational field, like when I listen to your podcast and other podcasts, you know, mm-hmm. to get that information because the more information I think we have as educators, then the more empowered we are to bring more options into the classroom. Right, right. Other than um, sort of, yeah, looking at a workbook and going, okay, we're going to do pages five to ten today, you know, whatever, that sort of thing. Yeah. So I think from that, I think that will be the, the next really big step for us is yeah. getting that professional learning community going um, where we can share our STEM knowledge and experiences. And, right. And and uh, if you are if you are listening in Australia uh, to this podcast, uh, one, one great resource for that is if you're on Twitter, the primary STEM chat, which takes place on Thursday evenings, that's a, that's another great opportunity to connect with other educators who are, are diving in and taking some of those opportunities in STEM. Um, and again, uh, we were talking about earlier, Chris, you found out about STEM and that heard that acronym and you're like, I'm just going to search, I'm going to find, see what I can do so that I don't have to recreate the wheel. Mm-mm, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it was funny because when I first took over uh, doing the STEM and it was you know, so new, yep. I thought, sure, other people have done this before me. And so I did some reaching out to schools in our area uh, via one of our SLIP coordinators and that we created a STEM teachers hub group in our area. That's great. Uh, and so it started off, we've got about 20 sort of people that teachers, educators that come to that on a regular basis. It started off within our district. That's mm-hmm. now starting to spread out. Great. So we're starting to expand our little network of, of um, STEM educators. And it's really good, you know, people bring their ideas and we share them and discuss them and stuff like that. So it's, it's really lovely. I think that is also a real future step for uh, professional development. Um, I, I think that's I think that's a lesson that anybody all across the world can learn from. I think I think that idea of finding other educators in in your somewhat local area and community 
is a really good idea because, you know, they're going to, you're going to all kind of look at things from maybe that perspective of your area or what are your natural resources? What are your industries in your area that, that we can tie right into the classroom to make it more meaningful for the kids? Mm, mm, yeah. yeah. So that's great. I love your idea. Well, thank you. And so that's what we've, that's what we've been doing over here because We've just found that sharing is is so much easier. If people can share, we've got uh, STEM teachers, um, STEM STEM Hub teachers uh, website uh, mm-hmm. as well that people load up different lesson plans and things like that too to help each other out and ideas. That's great. That's great. Uh, you know, and I think that's what we need to do as educators. Um, just from what I've sort of been gathering in my sort of limited teaching career. <laughs> Ah. You know, well, you know, look, I know people have been teaching for 20, 30 years and I love to listen to their stories about mm-hmm. where we were in education and, that, yeah. you know, where we sort of are now and where they think we're heading. And that's always a real lovely sort of history lesson of, of you know, our education system and, and how people's experiences are sort of, you just, and you pick, sometimes you just pick up out of a, you know, an hour's conversation, you pick up one or two little gems, you go, oh, I like that. Yeah. I like what you did in that. No, that, yeah. that I, I can I can use, I can change, or I can adapt a little bit. Oh yeah. So those sorts of things I love doing. Yeah. Well, your, your, my colleagues. Yeah. Well, Chris, that's why I love doing the STEM Everyday podcast. Could I because I get to I get to listen to educators like you and uh, all the other educators that are on the show just share their passion, their stories, their ideas. And, and I can myself pick up some of those little gems, like you said. A yeah. couple, couple more questions here for you, Chris, yeah. before we get going. Yeah. If you could have uh, somebody from STEM, you know, the science, technology, yeah. engineering, math, skills, come into your classroom and be a guest speaker and inspire those kids. Who would that be, Chris? Okay, so it's a guy, Lance Hill. Now, Lance okay. Hill is a local SA person and... He invented the rotary clothes horse, so the clothes line that, that spins around. Okay. And it, it's a real uh, Australian icon. The Hills Hoist was an Australian icon, and it is actually one of the best inventions. If you Google sort of best inventions Australia, and it'll definitely come up. Wow. And he invented that in a little sort of engineering uh, company that he had here, and I love it because he invented it because he didn't have much space but he wanted to provide the maximum drying space for his his family. He invented this beautiful hills hoist. When we all had slightly larger blocks of land, every house in Australia would have had a hills hoist of some description. You know, Queensland might have made their own version, Western Australia might have made, but the same concept of a clothesline that spun around in the wind. Yeah. And yep. all of this, like, I think it was something nearly 50 metres worth of uh, line space. It was fantastic. Uh, so every house would have had one. That's, that's a great example of, of how, to, how to best use a, a minimal amount of space to do the maximum amount of stuff. And, and that's a design thinking idea that kids need to be taught every day. You know, I mean, look at phones as they get smaller and be able to fit more information or more power inside of that thing. That's that's a precursor to that. You know, we've been doing this for, for ages. And again, that's the Hills Hoist by Lance Hill. There it yeah. is right there on Wikipedia. It was easy to find. Yeah. Hills Hoist. So, <laughs> and, and again, that's a connection to a, a local area for you, for your kids that would. Yeah, yeah. The Hills Industries in South Australia was a really big employer for many, many years. It's actually closed now, but uh-huh. absolute fantastic. And, and I just love the story of, of good old Lance. And, <laughs> and that's cool. It's actually a, he was actually a steam engineer. 
was, was his first qualification, and that was one of the beautiful things. And of course, you talk to kids about steam engines now; they'd know have no idea. Yeah, steam at all. But uh, now, now we use the word steam, and we think we're adding arts to the STEM acronym, S B E A M. So something completely different, educators. Yeah, well, that's exactly right. And let's be honest, everything just goes full cycle, really, doesn't it? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right, uh, Chris. Chris Perkins, it's been great chatting with you. Two two more quick questions. Um, Does does the does the water in the drain uh, really turn uh, counterclockwise? Oh, uh, look, I've never really uh, worried about that. I'll, I'll, I'll go check. I'll go to the toilet and I can go check and then I'll get back to you if you like. I'll send you, I'll send you I'll, an email. I'm not I, sure. Yeah. I think I'll, that I'll, I'll, but anyway, I'll, I'll trust I'll you on that. I'll do my research. All right, and and then and then my wife said I had to ask uh, the sure. the band Men at Work. You know the the song "The Land Down Under." And uh, and the Vegemite sandwich, right? Are you are you a it's, big Vegemite fan? I, no, I cannot stand Vegemite. All right, you heard it right here on the STEM Everyday podcast. <laughs> Not every Australian loves their Vegemite. So, no. Um, and to be honest, have you actually ever tasted Vegemite? No, and I probably won't. <laughs> yeah. It depends on if you've got a sweet tooth or if you. Prefer the sort of more sour, sour taste. It's definitely along the sour taste. Yeah. I've never, in all okay. my 53 years, I think I only ever had Vegemite as a kid once. And after that, I said, that'll do. That'll do. <laughs> I'm more of a jam or a jelly man. Hey, me too. <laughs> we, can, we can agree on that. Worldwide, we can agree on jam and we can agree on stems. So uh, Chris, Chris Perkins, it's been great chatting with you today from Adelaide, South Australia. And again, if you want to contact him, feel free to check the show notes and find out that information. So thanks again, Chris. Just awesome hearing your stories. Thanks, Chris. And can I say that I drive an hour to work every day. Yeah. And what I do is I listen to the podcast because that way, at least when I get to school, I feel really energized to get going because of all the ideas that, you know, you're, you're broadcasting around the world. So thank you, Chris. Good well, idea. I, I appreciate that. That, that does mean a lot. And again, that's a testament to all the great educators who are on the podcast and you can subscribe to the STEM everyday podcast by going to iTunes, your favorite podcast app. Uh, You can leave a review. So other people find the great podcast and the great stories of, of educators like Chris. And uh, you can connect with me on Twitter at daily STEM or at dailystem.com. And we'll talk to you again next time. You're listening to this podcast on the ESDAC broadcasting network. To find more information about this or other podcast shows, please visit remarkablechatter.com.